This is Motor Mania with Damien Reed On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. Let's discuss a topic that's been uh, brewing, brewing, I like that, early, since earlier this year. Uh, but we've barely noticed it because we've all been busy talking about electric vehicles. And uh, in March, uh, the EU actually reversed a decision that would see combustion engine vehicles to be phased out by 2035. That's after Germany disputed the announcement. Registration of new vehicles with such engines are now allowed even after 2035, provided that they use climate-neutral fuels only. That's where we are. So joining in on this discussion is Carl Fielder, the CEO of Neutral Fuel. They buy, how's this, guys? They buy cooking oil and turn that into biofuel that is used in diesel engines. He's armed with the research and the data, and I can already see this turning into a, uh, a lively discussion. Good morning, Carl. Morning there. How you doing? Thanks very much. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, now, first of all, before we get into that, you lead a bit of a double life, so you told me yesterday we had a bit of a chat. You're also the lead vocalist of a rock band called Sandstorm. What do you do in your spare time in Dubai? I mean, <laughs> you drive cars, I sing in a rock band. So you've got a song appropriately called Hydrogen. Uh, what a great way to kick off this topic. Let's have a, let's have a, bit, of a bit of a teaser to this first. suddenly feel like I'm Mark Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> Naz, what do you think? What did you take on that one? Yeah, no, well, in terms of the song? Yeah. Very nice, very yeah. nice and catchy. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You've uh, that, that keeps you busy. You've, um, so, so, the, so the message is about hydrogen, different types of hydrogen from what I could pick up? Yeah, it's, the, there's a lot of complexity in anything to do with clean fuels, e-fuels or biofuels. And I just generally want to use any mechanism I can to communicate that to people. So blue grey and green hydrogen are different ways of making hydrogen. They're different, different oh. chemical processes. Oh, okay, okay. Um, now, you were just talking about the, uh, the, the way that you process the, the cooking oils and turn it in, into fuels, uh, which ties in nicely. Donata announced this week that they're switching, um, they have switched from petrol to biofuels. They're saving, they claim to be saving 80 tonnes of CO2 per year, 31 of their trucks now running on biofuels, which they claim is... Uh, 320,000 kilometres of an average petrol car. Um, this includes all their business, including logistics, the Arabian Adventures, off-road vehicles, Alpha Flight services that they co-own, and the big red buses you see floating around town. Um, it's all part of their effort to reduce the carbon footprint and waste in landfill by 20% by next year by switching 31 of their trucks over. Uh, now, that their trucks, they say, cover, cover 270,000 kilometres a month, so this will save 35 tonnes of CO2 emissions per year. Now, you tell me from, from your perspective, because you, you're involved in all of this, uh, what was the process to go through? Well, we've been trying to sign something with uh, Donata and the Emirates Group for a long, long time. We've already been providing fuel to the staff transport buses that run the, the air crew around, uh, but getting some of the landside vehicles as well for Donata was, uh, was a nice process, but we went through it and we won it in the end. So very pleased with that, and it helps them with reducing their carbon footprint. It's yet another customer proving that biofuels are really easy to transition to. Now, the bit that I particularly like is, now I know that their open-top buses, they do an average of 76,000 kilometres per month collectively. That's a lot of, uh, of, of potential emissions going to the air that's now being saved, 35 tonnes per year now, um, sorry, 32 tonnes per year from the buses. But the bit that I like is the use of cooking oil 
to the biofuel manufacturer once it's been recycled. So um, they're using it from the with the company uh, Alpha Flight Services. So basically, this is the company that provides the catering, and what they don't cook, effectively, am I right? They turn that into the fuel through your business. Yeah, it's what we in the sort of environmental lobby would call a circular economy example of closed loop recycling. So we take the waste from the same company, convert it into a biofuel and then give it back to them or sell it back to them as a fuel that they can then use in their vehicles. We've been doing that now for 11 years with McDonald's and uh, we take all of the waste cooking oil from McDonald's and convert it into biofuel to run all of their fleet. And in fact, last week we had a big celebration to celebrate 25 million kilometres with McDonald's running on 100%, no fossil fuel at all. That is remarkable. Uh, it really is remarkable. And this has been running for... So how long have you been running this with, with McDonald's now? 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. 11 years. And so um, in, in this case, when we're talking about the uh, Alpha Flight services with, with the, the, the Donata announcement, um, every litre of, uh, of oil recycled into biofuel, they claim, cuts three kilograms of CO2. Now, that's a lot. That's a reduction of 92%, according to what they're saying compared to the diesel fuel that they're based on. Um, and they, again, those vehicles, these are the uh, the airside vehicles, I'm guessing, that, that travel. No, these are landside. Oh, these are the landside. Okay, yeah. so these are out in the, in the street. 27,000 kilometres a month. That's a lot of savings. Yeah, it's good. I mean, the our carbon savings is calculated on something called a life cycle analysis, which looks at the overall well-to-wheel calculation, mm. comparing us with using regular diesel. And we're audited every year by a German government department that runs the European standard for doing this, and that's the worldwide the gold standard for doing the calculations. They come and see us, they check our methodologies, they authenticate all of our numbers so that we can actually make real claims of how much we're saving. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. Yes, Damien Reid with you through until midday with Motor Mania, and I'm joined uh, in the studio by uh, Carl Fielder of Neutral Fuels and also Naz Chowdhury, who's joining us as well. Now, let's have a look at uh, what's happening internationally. News that Honda and Porsche are racing to develop e-fuels that will power combustion engine cars. Now, Naz, you're a big fan of uh, – you're, you're a big Porsche fan, so uh, are you a fan of this project that they're going through at the moment? I really am, to be fair. I mean, I think they they definitely had something to do with – Germany's change of stance in the mm. you know the March 2023 thing where they announced that you know they can continue. I think Porsche had a big play in that, right? And, yeah. Um, I think the reason is, as I mentioned earlier, is you know their their car is the 911. Yep. And you know arguably 70 percent of the 911s are still on the road, and that's a pure driver's car. It really cannot be transferred. You know, it's a, it's a three liter flat six. Yeah. It's a, sorry, it's a flat six engine, and it needs to stay that way. Uh, but I also understand Carl's point of view, and like you mentioned earlier, it's not EV or it's what are we trying to solve, right? So from a commercial perspective, an industrial perspective, you know, mm. we're not just talking about cars here. We're talking about, um, you know, shipping. We're talking about airlines. Some of these cannot go into EV because of the weights of the batteries on planes and things mm. like that. And from a commercial perspective, an industrial perspective, we do need to find an alternative. And I think Carl's doing fantastic work, and I'm really impressed. And I think he's actually ahead of the curve, really, you know, starting this 11 years ago and getting these McDonald's contracts. (laughs) I think he was onto something way before all of us. But having said that, as a true petrol head, I still think there is an argument for e-fuel, and I still think that Porsche are doing the right thing to continue their DNA Mm. in terms of... um, 
keeping yeah. their cars on the road. And there's 1.3 billion combustion engine cars on the road, right? They're not all going to disappear by 2030, Which, let's be honest. Well, we're going to come to that in, in just a few moments because I spoke with uh, a couple of members of the board of the executive, the executive board at Porsche AG. I was over in Stuttgart a few weeks ago to talk about this discussion. Uh, so I spoke with Barbara Frankel, who's, uh, who's one of the board members, and she's in charge of the e-fuel program. Now, she told me about the e-fuel production process and, uh, and their, their project that you were just talking about in Chile. So e-fuels are made out of water, CO2, and renewable electric. We use, for example, an electrolyzer to convert water into hydrogen and oxygen. And then the hydrogen, we combine it with the CO2, they are synthesized into e-methanol. And with that, we use a state-of-the-art MTG, methanol-to-gas process. With that, we produce raw gasoline out of this e-methanol. And then with this uh, raw gasoline, this is put in a tank uh, storage. And then from there, it can be transported to any refinery around the world. This is a process which does not exist yet in an industrial manufacturing process. So we are the first ones to demonstrate that it is possible. This was not an idea which was born. The first idea was generated in 2018. A handful of engineers came together and developed the idea. We want to show that the fuel we produce there can immediately use in existing cars with existing engines. And of course, this is an item plan. If all goes well, we will produce by the end of the year maybe 100, 130,000 meters, which is not a lot. The next phase is scaling up the production. Yes, that's Barbara Frankel, who's a member of the board, executive board of Porsche AG in charge of the e-fuel program. Now, based on that, I also had a chat with Albrecht Reimann, who is the member of the, also on the executive board, but he's in charge of production and logistics at Porsche AG. So I asked you about Porsche's position on e-fuels and the future of the combustion engine based on what you're saying, Naz, um, considering they are heavily investing in, in EVs as well and a recharging infrastructure uh, for the, the Taycan range and the Makanas going electric, of course, in time, um, but are also working on keeping that combustion engine alive. So where does, does he see the future of carbon neutral fuels? From my point of view, it's very necessary to have an additional element for the battery electric vehicles because we don't have the objective to be in 2030, 2080, 80% of the cars of Porsche should be battery electric vehicles. And there are many other 20% are ICEs, and therefore we developed the e-fuels, and we are, as an investor, we do it not only for the 911 and all these cars. We should think about uh, e-fuels is very uh, sustainable in that case, that they are nearly CO2, not uh, zero waste, but nearly. And on the other side, you can use it as uh, for ships, you can use it for planes. Uh, a battery is not able in the plane to do for the long distance uh, planes. And therefore, for me, it's another element to go earlier to a sustainable world. And if it's, I like it. So obviously he's talking uh, uh, an indefinite future of Porsche, 80-20. Mm. So 80 electric, 20 EV. Doesn't take much to think about which 20% that will be. That's their sports cars, uh, particularly the 911. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, before I get your thoughts on this, he, he also stressed the, the company's commitment to sustainability. It should be a whole-of-life scenario. Um, so replacing the entire car population with new cars. 
he he claims it's not sustainable when you uh, when you can recycle what's already out there now. We have a clear uh, business plan until the year 2030. We want to be CO2 neutral in balancing, uh, and therefore we have six fields. One is decarbonisation. You see it on the chart. The second is circular economy. And you remember our founder told in the 70s descendants you should not use the limited materials in the world for only for the usage of the car. The car should be every time by hey, If you don't need it, then bring it back. And we do it. 70% of Porsche cars are in the garage as a value and not uh, as only a car. So as you say now, 70% of Porsches are so still was, floating around. About right, yeah. Uh, that's Albert Reichman, uh, Raymond, the member of the Executive Board of Production and Logistics at Porsche AG. Um, Carl, what are your thoughts after listening to, to those comments? Well, there was a couple of um, slight mistakes in what they said. Um, first of all, to com- completely make e-fuels that mm. are sustainable and classified as low carbon, you have to use surplus green electricity, mm-hmm. not green electricity. The Chile project is, has got a big wind turbine. Yep. And then, as she described, you take the output of the wind turbine, you go through process after process after process after process after process, all of which lose efficiency yeah, of course, to generate yeah. a tiny drop of fuel at the end of it. If you took that wind turbine and plugged it straight into the grid, you could yeah. plug it straight into an electric vehicle. So that's the first challenge is in the production emissions. Yeah. The second thing is that they're producing a fuel that burns exactly the same as a regular petrol. Mm. So it still has the same tailpipe emissions, the same amount of carbon monoxide, the same amount of carbon dioxide when it goes down the road. Otherwise, it wouldn't work in well, the normal I, I engines. I didn't hear them say that. But no, of course they didn't. Yeah. Is it, um, isn't it the same amount of carbon input, carbon output? So essentially, they're solving the carbon neutrality issue, which is the purpose of this no, exercise, there's, right? There's, there's two parts to the emission calculation. There's the production part, which, which is, is green. very yeah. Which is very inefficient, but it's still green. Why is it green? Because it's uh, through wind. Uh, through wind, right? So no, no, surplus green electricity. There's no country on the planet today that has surplus green electricity yet. Yet we might get there in thirty or forty years' time. Yeah. Mm. But if you're going to build a wind turbine, put the electricity straight into the grid, and something like ninety-five percent of it will end up in your vehicle, rather than taking all that electricity out of the wind turbine. Mm. and making a small drop of petrol at the end of it where you will have lost about 70 or 80% of the efficiency through that whole process. Mm. And then the combustion engine also loses another 60, 70% well, through the, the combustion this is the process real, again, right? The real detail to this is yeah. that the electric car will take about 80 or 85% of the energy of electricity From and turn it into to wheel transfer. Turn it into motion at the wheels whereas with a petrol car 10 15% it, you end up at 20 25% yeah. motion at the wheels. Yeah. So it and this is why nobody wants to talk about it. It's yeah. all about numbers. It's well, all about detail. Yeah, well, let's have a listen further to uh, to Barbara Frankel, who um, uh, might partly answer those questions. She uh, reacted to a comment that there was no decarbonisation strategy in place for existing cars on the road for the moment. Of course, we're following the immobility strategy. And with our Taycan, the first full electric sports car, we are very, very successful, and our customers love the car. But at the same time, we care also about the environment. We care about also the cars that are existing on the road already. And for them, there is no decarbonization strategy in place. So it is not e-mobility against e-fuels, it's a plus. The problem is not the car. The problem is not the engine. The problem is the fuel. And therefore, 
This is something we have to work on. And we want to decarbonize as fast as possible. So these 1.3 billion cars on the road, if you think about how long it takes until they are replaced against electric cars, this will take decades. Electricity, green electricity, does not exist yet in all the markets. So that might partly answer what you you were on about. Um, but before I get before I get your thoughts to that one, you also made the case for e-methanol. Um, one of the products of their of their project said it could pretty much replace crude oil today. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. E-methanol is a liquid which you can easily produce. We call it the Swiss knife of the energy sector. With e-methanol, you can use it in various business cases. We use it as a basis for our e-fuels, but all of e-methanol, you can also do e-kerosene, for example, for airplanes, or you can use the e-methanol directly for ships. Methanol is also a first product, a feedstock for many uh, chemical products. And of course, Energy transition sector. Carl, your thoughts? Well, chemically, what she's saying is correct. Mm. But the world doesn't run on chemical equations. The world runs on business decisions. True. Yep. And the output of their Chile factory at the moment is estimating at $50 a litre for their fuel. Yeah. So yeah. you might want to run but, your Porsche forever, but you're not going to pay $50 a litre. But, so but that's, the, yeah, that's the thing. And I think, I think, to be fair, and you're right, it's very expensive. The guys that do. Um, Zero petroleum in the UK are charging a horrendous amount per litre as well at the moment. Uh, but I think scale will bring that down when we talk about the aviation industry and their use of So we'll get into that straight after the break because you've actually brought up a, a very, very valid point about scaling up and how that might impact uh, the, the, the future cost of what we're paying for. This is Motor Mania with Damien Reed On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. And we're talking uh, all sorts of different types of fuels, e-fuels, biofuels, and all sorts of things. And I've been joined by uh, Carl Fielder of Neutral Fuels in the studio and also Naz Chowdhury, uh, automotive entrepreneur. Now, I'm going to throw up to open to both of you because both of you are owners of Teslas as well. So I'd like to get your thoughts uh, firstly, Naz, do you still own your car, your Tesla? Yeah, you still family go? car. It's uh, the family car, yeah, the wife's car. I, I don't use it as a daily, but I have the pleasure of taking it out on the weekends. And don't get me wrong, it's a great car, and I think what, what EVs have proven is they can and have, in such a short period of time, on paper at least, um, given combustion engine, which has had 100 years of innovation, mm. a run for their money in terms of like performance, acceleration, range, uh, arguably handling, as Carl mentioned, off, off, off radio. But it still doesn't have the automotive, you know, combustion engine DNA that all our diehard petrol fans are looking for, right? And yeah. I think that's what the e-fuel project Porsche is trying to solve for, and I'm fully backing it. And I think that's where Carl differs, whereby he looks at it from, more from a pragmatic point of view, which is, you know, what's more sustainable, what's better for the earth, what's, what is the most efficient, Mm. fuel in order to run the world yeah. but we petrol heads have a different angle don't we <laughs> yeah I mean yeah well Carl firstly your Tesla tell me about it well <laughs> I, I've been driving my Tesla for four years now yeah and today I had to come here in my wife's car <laughs> because after four years the battery died oh, oh really uh, okay. the heat killed the battery yeah and they had to send to Europe for a new battery because you can't fly the batteries because they're, they're made of lithium. Ah. Um, so two months, my car's off the road. 
uh, and they're going to replace it under warranty. Really? Yeah, it comes with a se- okay. se- seven-year unlimited. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't come across many that have failed. I know That's that the first story I've heard, actually, of one, of one failing. Th- so to be fair, that's a good run. This is the third story I've heard. In the first okay. two, uh, the people left it off-charge, low, low battery, over summer. And I think that's what really kills mm. it. So the advice is, if you are to have a Tesla and you're traveling for a while... Keep it on charge and keep the battery health optimal. Was it was it flat for a while or no no no? It's never been flat. That's strange. It just mm. it, it was weird. I mean, it, it has prioritization to the battery cooling system over the air conditioning system. So the first inkling I had that there was a problem was when the air conditioning stopped working because it was prioritizing cooling the battery with what remaining electricity it had left. So the top tip out there, if your AC is going on your Tesla, it's not the AC, it's the batteries. Get yeah, out of be. it quick. Yeah. Yeah, it the thing be. is, That's I mean, the Tesla service people here are fantastic, I have mm, to yeah. say. And the quality of support that I've had with the car when I broke down on a six-lane highway going to Sharjah on a Friday night mm. was fantastic. I called them. I got right the way through to the tech support in Amsterdam. It goes to Amsterdam, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah there's just a go here. And <laughs> even the 04 number, you end up in and Amsterdam. And they said, we're going to remote log into your car yeah. across yeah. the internet. We're going to reboot your car. You'll be on the hard shoulder with no flashing indicators, no lights at all, and it's Friday night. Uh, and, and don't worry about it. Yeah. I said, okay. Wow. So I braced myself for impact. And then when the car didn't restart, they said, oh, don't worry about it. Just open the door. Okay. So I opened the door with all the cars and trucks thundering past, and then <laughs> then it restarted, and it was fine. But I mean, the cleverness of being able to reboot the car yeah. remotely—that is brilliant. Being yeah. able to diagnose it remotely is brilliant. Yeah. The fact that the flipping thing failed in the first place is not brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, man. I, I, the yeah. innovation there is incredible, and also they can upsell you, right? So software updates, all automatic, of a up, well, uh, automatic, you, you and automatic upgrades, for, updates, yeah. yeah. Yep, suddenly unlock some more horsepower and that sort of thing. But it's like a video I mean, game, right? You buy extra things along yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, for sure, there's some some amazing stuff there. I know some, you know, that you you can phenomenal performance from every electric vehicle. There is an electric car that 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 is not phenomenally quick anymore. Um, out of this, when you compare it to their market segments, yeah, you know, so you're talking even the smallest cars are doing five seconds where their combustion engine version is doing eight seconds. But but let's get back to the topic. Um, now, Germany was initially looking to phase out uh, combustion engines. Um, and they – sorry, the EU, rather, was initially looking to do that. Now, Germany has won a dispute against the EU <laughs> that will result in the EU now allowing combustion engines to uh, – vehicles to be continue to be manufactured and sold after 2035 for an indefinite period, provided that they run on e-fuels. Thank the, you, Porsche. The I EU think. will will review that decision again in 2026. So the review is coming up very soon. But again, here's what uh, Porsche had to say about that process. The European community is going in a different uh, in a different way. So they didn't uh, want to have an alternative for ICE cars. At the moment, they said, okay, uh, there is in, in 2026 we will review. Our decision that by 2035, no ICE cars, no new ICE cars are anymore in Europe, except of cars which run fully on e-fuels. If that really holds true, if that really comes, then you need to find a way where you have at the gas station that you have a pump which shows e-fuels. For US, they don't care. They say the CO2 molecules 
They don't care about borders. So the climate is global. The air is global. The U.S. just says, if you work on technology where you reduce CO2 out of the air, we put money on the table. You get big incentives. If you create uh, e-fuels, everything you create, subsidies, uh, use cases, and you have to get also from the state money. Yeah, so again, that was Barbara Frankel from, uh, from Porsche talking about the EU pushing back the uh, the ban on combustion engines to, for an indefinite period. Now, the thing that makes and this didn't come at the conference, but I'm putting my other hat on as a motorsport guy that that makes me think. Okay, there is there is some some life in in what they're talking about. Is the fact that when you look at the top tier of motorsport, Formula One and the feeder series, Formula Two. Now, these are, these are categories that are heavily supported by the likes of of Fiat and uh, Mercedes Benz, mm. um, etc. Now. They've got new engine regulations coming in in 2026, and that's going to be a combustion engine. And there is talk that they might even get rid of the electric component because the weight that you're carrying around, wow. if the fuel is 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 good enough, then you're saving the weight and it's better. Now, Formula Two announced their new car yesterday, first time since 2018, and they've got a new chassis, a new a new new rules, clean slate, ready to go, and it's a combustion engine with no hybrid component attached to the new Formula 2 car starting comp- competition next year. So that's, you know, starting in 2026, that's at least 10 years of, co- of competition then, so 2036. Uh, so then the question I thought, well, again, will the EU push the date further back as as we start to accept the fuel? This is, again, this is what uh, what Porsche had to say. If you don't give uh, the industry a reason why you should invest in it, because there is no market at the end, nothing will happen. Gives the industry a task, gives them a reason why to run for it. And the, the industry is running. There is a gold digger mentality going on in the U.S. Everyone is going there and says, what does it say? How do I get money? What can I do? If you suck the CO2 out of the air, you get $400 subsidies per ton CO2. You get subsidies if you create green hydrogen, which is a byproduct of this process. Here in Germany, we have super high taxes. We have taxes for everything. If you emit CO2 into the air and that does not cost anything, the one is changing. If you try to suck CO2 out of the air, and I, I guess you the, the challenge of, of this activity, and then no one is, is appreciating that you're doing it, nothing will happen. So that was that was Porsche's position on, on all of this. Um, Carl, what, how do you see... The long-term future from from your you've been in the, you've been in the sustainable fuel game for a long, long time. You're a very experienced man. Where do you see all of this going in terms of biofuels, electricity? What's what's your take on the on the long picture? Well, to come back specifically to some of the comments there from Porsche, um, I think really this whole e-fuels argument for them is clutching at straws. Uh, I really think mm. that they're trying to come up with a way of validating the continued production of ICE. And maybe that's because they've made massive investments in production plants and in the, the way that they actually run their business. The, the, the fact that they've been able to persuade the German government to do a, a U-turn on this or the EU to do a U-turn on this is, um, is just a celebration of lobbying. Mm. I mean, they've just basically said, well, we, we employ a lot of people. You're going to put them out of work. Uh, that's bad for elections. That's bad for votes. So please 
reverse your decision. It doesn't change the fact that the European Union has a target of being net zero. And in order to get there, you're going to have to do fuel totally differently. Mm. I don't deny that mm. fuel's got to change. Um, coming back to something else that you were saying earlier, um, IATA, which is the airlines association that, that specifies the way that everything runs in the airline industry, has approved seven different technologies now for making uh, fuel, mm. sustainable aviation fuel that can go into aircraft. Um, those boil down to four main chemical processes. And the UAE uh, announced in January this year uh, that they have a full-on strategy for how to become a world leader in sustainable aviation fuel. And that is using a power-to-liquid uh, concept that's similar to what we've been talking about with e-fuels. Okay. And they've set, they set the target for producing 700 million litres a year of SAF. And they want to do that by investing $10 billion into the structure by 2030. Mm. So the UAE has a strategy to, to lead in this. That also requires them to use green or pink hydrogen yep. as part of the process. It also requires a lot of the carbon capture and storage, which is being driven from ADNOC in Abu Dhabi. So there's a lot going on here. But it requires that people realize that everything's going to change. And mm. if we ask the general public to make a decision on changing things, it'll never happen. Mm. We've got to get the companies behind this to actually decide, as ADNOC is doing and as the UAE government is doing, that we need a dramatic change. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting. I mean, it's, it's interesting to take, and I think, yeah, the aviation side of the game will, will drive it. Uh, personally, that's my, my opinion because I think it's all driven by, you know, the aviation industry and the shipping industry mm. needs to be compliant like everyone else and doing a great job to work at it. But in order to make air, air prices and ticket prices affordable, you have to come up to a solution. And I think the autom automotive industry is the byproduct of of what they produce, however that may come, whether it be through e-fuels or biofuels or, or however. I don't think carrying rare metals in, 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 in batteries is a, is a solution for long-haul aviation. We've seen short-haul aircraft, you know, from, from here to Fajera and that sort of thing, you know, little, little Cessnas and Piper Cherokees, there's been some experimental ones that work as an electric vehicle, but I, you're not going to do a, you're not going to jump on your Etihad or Emirates flight from here to, to, to London Long or hole, to yeah. Hawaii or somewhere on that. Now, um, based on that too, um, as we've just been talking to Porsche, I also had a chat with uh, the former CEO of Aston Martin, Tobias Moores, um, uh, some time ago about e-fuels when he was running the company back in 2021, so a little little, little time ago, because when he inherited the company, Aston Martin had pledged to be a 100% EV company by 2030. Uh, they're now backtracking on that, as are several car companies, to say electrified rather than electric. So I asked hypothetically at the time, could Aston Martin reverse its policy to go all EV if a sustainable fuel came along? Now they, um, now that they have uh, the fuels are coming through, Aston Martin has said is going to keep producing combustion engines alongside electrified cars. So here's what he had to say using what turned out to be a pretty accurate crystal ball back in 2021. You know, there's an industry which, need, which needs artificial fuel much more than us. And this is flying things up there in the sky. They need that more more than us. Uh, you know, at the moment, honestly, I strictly believe in electrification or fully electrified cars. I strictly believe in that. If it turns the other way, uh, we have a carbon dioxide free neutral fuel with us. You can always go back to combustion engines. That's not a problem. 
So that was Tobias Moore at the time, the CEO of Aston Martin in 2021. He's pretty much saying what we're saying, that, yep, there's electrified future for sure, but if there is a technology that comes through, the process is reversible in terms of their manufacturing plants mm. and that sort of thing. Um, now, earlier this year, Honda also announced that it was uh, considering e-fuels in, in motorsport. Uh, they withdrew from Formula One at the time because of um, of where they were going with their with their sales business in terms of their cars. But now that Formula One is going down this path of developing a new engine for 2026, they've decided to re-enter F1 to develop to fast track the development of their combustion engines for passenger cars in the future. So, Christian Horner, the team principal of Red Bull Honda Racing F1, shared his thoughts that F1 could perhaps even drop the electric powertrain component uh, altogether if these e-fuels made sense. Well, for me, it demonstrates that the combustion engine isn't dead yet. Obviously, when they withdrew, it was because of electrification. And I think perhaps with sustainable fuels and zero emissions and the route that Formula One's going for 2026, combustion became relevant to them again, whereas it was something that was very much off their agenda. And so, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get to back to V8s and V10s that are fully sustainable. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fantastic? So very quickly before we uh, we cut to another quick break, to give that bit more context, Honda withdrew from F1 when I said focusing on switching to EVs and now re-entering F1 based on the development of e-fuels for the sport and for the development of road cars. Gunther Steiner, the team principal of um, Haas Ferrari Formula One, also added his thoughts to it as well. The world has moved on and as Formula One, I think we need to stay current with technology. And as Christian and Alessandro said, the technology now is electrification, but not solely, as, as Christian said, uh, it's going back to maybe we can keep the combustion engine alive with sustainable fuels, with uh, zero emissions. F1 is a big part of doing this for the future because what F1 is good is in doing developments. Obviously, we have got uh, good money available to do it and uh, everybody pushes hard because we push hard for being competitive in a race. We're not just doing it to do something. We need to be competitive. So I think it's the best place to still for car manufacture car manufacturer to be in Formula One to push their technologies and maybe the combustion engine has a comeback a little bit different and not as a V10 as a V12 uh, as we maybe wish but uh, it's still staying around you know. So that was good the Steiner team principal of Haas Ferrari Formula One adding his thoughts to it as well. We're going to take a quick very quick break but I'd like to get your final thoughts. We've got Carl Fielder the founder and CEO of Neutral Fuels in the studio along with Naz Chowdhury and we're going to wrap up this discussion straight after this. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. Yes, Motormania with you for a few more minutes through to midday. And we've had a very interesting uh, discussion here this morning talking about sustainable fuels, e-fuels, biofuels, alternative fuels, things that are options to a zero emission society other than just uh, the pure electric vehicles. So uh, I must thank you, Carl Fielder, the founder and CEO of uh, Neutral Fuels, to uh, to join us in the studio, and also Naz Chowdhury for sticking around and giving us your thoughts as well. Now, we've just been listening to some uh, some really interesting chat from, uh, from a Formula One perspective, as well as from another manufacturer, Aston Martin, on that one. Um, Carl, what's, what was your takeaway from all of that? I wish Formula One would stop. Uh, I think Formula E is the way forward. Don't tell me this. And, I uh, work in Formula One. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but it, it has been a great example of technology advancement. But it drives, I mean, the, it drives the future it does, technology. It drives yeah, innovation. So there's um, its place. But uh, I have to say that, that when you look at it from a sort of big picture perspective, 
chasing around burning fuel unnecessarily. No, Carl, Carl, really Carl, Carl I'm going to pull you up on that. It's a laboratory. It's a laboratory. That's it's yeah. what, what you're seeing is a sporting. So we're, we're making science fun. <laughs> it's <laughs> I, I a laboratory. If it there, wasn't David. for the fact that we're actually Formula and motorsport in general is pushing those boundaries, you wouldn't have the big manufacturers like Mercedes Benz who are going to re-sign for another eight years to to develop a future that includes electrification and and alternative fuels. We we've known how to do electric vehicles for a long time. <laughs> but we're, we're speeding up the process by an awful lot. So there we go. Naz, your thoughts? So um, I think there's two two really good arguments that back the uh, e-future in mm. terms of e-fuels. The first one being is we all know that motorsport is always at the forefront of innovative technology. And it's where a lot of the research and development innovation comes from. You know, if it wasn't for things like Formula One, you know, we probably wouldn't have a carbon fiber monocoque chassis or ceramic brakes or pushrod suspension or amazing hybrid technologies and efficiencies. So the fact that these F1 companies... Well, we wouldn't have hybrid cars for a start. We wouldn't have hybrid cars, right? <laughs> it's, so it's the a, fact that... With, with the technology in them now. And carbon yeah. fibre <laughs> and lightweight and aero and... Uh, you know, the list can go on, really. So the fact that, you know, F1 and manufacturers are still looking into that uh, tells me there is a future for e-fuel. Yeah. Now, going back to Barbara and what she initially said, you know, makes it sound so simple, right? Well, yeah, we have an electrolyzer, mm. we have... Uh, lots of free air coming in through Chile where it's nice and windy and we can remove the hydrogen from the water and we can remove the carbon from the air and happy days, it's all carbon neutral. But as Carl said, it's $50, a litre, right? So the, the, the question is, how do you scale that? And can you scale that? And in my opinion, is the answer is yes, because not only for us petrol heads and, and F1, but there's a whole infrastructure out there in terms of shipping, in terms of aviation, where there needs to be an alternative fuel. And, you know, what Carl's doing is great in terms of commercial aspect for, you know, delivery and on-the-road transport, but it doesn't solve for other things as well. So for me, the fact mm. that, you know, once we get more efficient with these electrolyzers, once we find a way to actually produce this at scale and mm. i think it was oliver bloom from porsche who said the target is to get this down to a couple of dollars a liter and then hopefully sell it on and let someone else do the you know they're not in the business of making oil but at least if they can pioneer and invest in it i think it's definitely for a good thing and i'm, I'm definitely for it and i'm backing mm. them all the way yeah carl don't get me wrong I'm a, I'm a big fan of formula e as well i love it. it's a great competition and it has massively fast-tracked the development of uh of, of battery technology but also tire technology because michelin have de developed a tire that you don't need to be a slick or a wet or a dry it's just a good tire so there's definitely a place for formula e but i think uh I think Formula One has done an amazing job to speed up the electrification process of, of hybrid vehicles as well as finding fuels as well. But we have biofuels now. And yeah, but these are so much better. It's like going to 11. It's why, <laughs> why, why don't we run Formula One on biofuels? Because they we have, in, in they 20... Could, they they could have zero the carbon footprint and we in, could be running them well, now. In 2026, it'll be, it'll be carbon... They haven't decided whether it'll be biofuel or not, but right, right now, Formula One has switched its entire road transport fleet all their tracks, all their transporters, all their VIP cars, everything has been switched over to biofuel. So that that partly answers it. Um, also, they're working on their aviation side of things as well. So we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> but to come back to what you were saying um, about this, you know, biofuel is a great fuel that's available today. Works on existing engines without any modification. Diesel. Diesel, and you can have bioethanol mm. that will run in a petrol okay. engine as well. Okay. So we have fuels that are available today that don't involve these hugely complicated projects mm. and are very efficient. I come back to the efficiency point. A petrol engine is 75% inefficient. 
an electric engine is 15% inefficient. Which do you want? Now, you, yeah. can, you can run biofuel in any of these now. Excellent. Food for thought. If you've got any ideas or uh, thoughts on that, text it through to 4001 and we'll pick it up in the next issue of Motomania, that's for sure. Uh, look, that's all we've got time for. Carl, thank you so much. Thanks, Naz Chowdhury, for, for sticking around, for, uh, very for enjoying a very engaging today, debate. Yeah. And again, um, thank you so much, Carl Fielder, for Neutral Fuels. Um, I've really enjoyed a very balanced, a very uh, very mature debate this morning about the future of fuels. We'll continue More than welcome no to, to, to continue this. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll carry this on because this is going to go on for years. <laughs> Thanks, Damon. Cheers. This is Motomania with Damien Reed On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station.